<laughs> All right, prepare yourself. We're going to get into a philosophical discussion about the nature of divinity. In this case, we are going to explore an area of divinity that defies our vocabulary. We are going to explore the gray areas of divinity. not an entirely black and white thing. Instead, it is black and white with a gray area in between. In previous discussions, we've discussed the concept of order and chaos, and how the gods were for order, and there were enemies of the gods that represented chaos. But what happens when you have a deity that is for order, that represents the order of the universe, but which is ambivalent at best towards humanity. These gods are the gray area. In fact, many are hesitant to use God to describe these entities because our vocabulary is somewhat failing at describing these beings. We tend to use a dichotomy of God and Eten, or Os and Thurs, Either way, we have a clear division down the middle of the two. Gods are for order. The hallmark of them is that they form bonds of reciprocity with people who worship them. Anetan, on the other hand, is typically considered to be incapable of lasting or meaningful reciprocity with humanity, and it is against the order of the gods that humanity's existence relies upon. For most heathens, it is considered wasted effort at best and at worst asking for trouble to offer to these entities in any capacity besides perhaps and then only vaguely perhaps propitiation. But there's a different group that is not often discussed. The entities that are for order but do not seem to form bonds of reciprocity with humans. Now, we would think that this aspect of reciprocity is a hallmark of the gods, because honestly it is. This reciprocity is important to the nature of the gods, and yet these entities seem not to form reciprocity. Are they gods? Are they Etans? Are they neither? Are they both? Is that even possible? Are they something else? They defy typical vocabulary. Now, ours is not the only religion with such entities. For instance, the Greek religion, there are gods and titans, right? We're familiar with this. The gods and the titans fought a big war, and the titans are imprisoned in Tartarus, right? Eh, except it isn't so cut and dried. Sure, some of the titans are imprisoned, in some stories for all eternity, and in others only for a period of time before being released. But beyond this, there are some titans who become gods, and there are some of the titans who take no part in the war against the gods and then keep on being themselves unimprisoned. 
My best example of a titan that is distinctly untitany is Oceanus. He's not thrown into Tartarus after the Titanomachy, the war against the gods the titans are going with. Instead, Oceanus remains outside of Tartarus. Despite being a titan, he sends his children to fight with the gods in the Titanomachy, and thereby his children are then gods. But he isn't afforded the role of godhood himself. The same failing of vocabulary happens here because he is a titan who chooses not to go against the gods, but who doesn't make the leap to being able to form reciprocity with humans, with humanity. In fact, he then serves a vital role in the world, and he upholds his roles. He is orderly, but he's apparently unconcerned with human relationships. We have a failing of vocabulary here because there is a nuance happening. He is godlike in his order, but titan-like in his inability or unwillingness to form relationships with humans. But here, too, we can see the same sort of individual that we see here in the Greek also occurring in the Norse. There is a certain entity called Aegir, a deity of the oceans, but he isn't really described as a god in the capacity that we have. He isn't worshipped in any sources from what we know, and indeed isn't presented as a deity that is particularly interested in the goings-on of men. But he is absolutely chummy with the gods. They party with Ajir. They dine in his halls. The gods have reciprocity with him, but he is not one of the Isir. But is he a Jotun? Is he a god? He just doesn't quite fit the mold. I plan to make the case that these entities we should see as a special kind of god, but one unlike the other gods in their disposition. I will argue that they are indeed deserving of worship in their own right, but not worship with the expectation or intention of reciprocity or even propitiation, but for something else entirely. To make this complain, let me give a different example. Winter is coming, and through exploring winter, I will explore this concept of the shades of gray for deity more fully. I choose winter because I'm not an ocean person. I do not live near the ocean, and so while Aegir and Oceanus would make great examples to explore for sea people, that is not my world. Winter, however, touches everyone, and it is as good an example as any. As the fall comes into its fullness, and we see the world here in the north bracing for the coming of winter, the trees prepare their leaves, and the animals store food, the squirrels stored in larders and caches they make, and the bears stored in their fat. The birds prepare to leave or shift 
to other food sources because bugs surely won't be available any longer. Even the bugs prepare. The bees have stored up their honey and the ants have filled up their larders. You see, winter is harsh. Sure, winter can be beautiful. Sure, winter can be pleasant. Sure, winter can bring snow, which many of us enjoy. It can be a welcome reprieve from the heat of summer. But at the end of the day, winter is harsh. We survive winter. But we cannot survive it without preparation. Yes, even us, even our society, has to prepare for winter. Our farmers and our society have to farm the seasons. You prepare for winter and you have the food ready for those of us who are not farmers. Just because you personally don't prepare your food stocks for winter doesn't mean that preparations aren't being made on your behalf. But even us, even me, I'm not a farmer, not anymore anyway. I cover my faucets outside and I make sure that the gas company is swapped over to paying for natural gas and I make the thermostat switch from cooling to heating and I change the direction of the ceiling fans from blowing up to blowing down. These are winter preparations too. Simple, easy, real-world examples that show even in the modern world we are touched by winter despite our comforts. What we dress as, the weather outside, that's an important thing. We don't dress the same in summer as we do in winter. We have different clothes for different seasons. We make these preparations. The point, though, is, is that we, through our preparations, we are acknowledging that winter is harsh, and indeed something that needs to be prepared for. How much more so would this have been in the ancient world, when a single poor harvest could spell the end of your life and all of those of your community, because there weren't any grocery stores to buy food at when your crops failed. If you did not save up enough food for winter, you simply died. There's an ancient Greek fable from Aesop that illustrates this concept of winter preparation. The ant and the grasshopper, though in the original it was a cicada. So that is how I'm going to tell it. Once upon a time, there was a cicada. It sang and sang the whole summer long. The ants, meanwhile, were busy nearby storing up their food. The cicada flitted among the trees, singing its song before flying down to visit the ants. Oh, ants, why are you such busybodies? The summer is for fun, for singing, for enjoying. Come sing and dance with me and enjoy the summer. Now most of the ants just shook their head and kept working, but one ant explained, Oh, Cicada, we must work to gather our food so that we have enough for the lean times ahead, for winter is coming. But the Cicada just laughed. <laughs> he couldn't conceive of the winter. But the ants were right, and soon the weather turned harsh. And then the Cicada came begging to the ants, Oh, please, ants, I was so busy singing and playing that I forgot to store up 
any food for the winter. Surely I can borrow some from you. But the ants merely shook their heads sadly, and they turned him away, for they knew that their stores would not sustain them and the cicada. Yes, that's right. In the original story, no mercy or clemency is given to the cicada, despite what all the cartoon versions would have you tend to believe. The ants merely let him starve, because that is the way of the world. This story shows us that this is not a new understanding. It is a well-understood phenomena that we see our winter preparations and we make sure that they are done. Because if we do not, we die. It's a natural law. The animals know it. The people know it. It simply is. So let's then take this idea of winter to animism and to religion then. Let's say Old Man Winter and Jack Frost. These are personifications of winter. And these were within an English society and persisted along the same lines as other primal forces that were personified. Did they exist in the ancient Anglo-Saxon world? There's no telling. We don't have anything that says that they did. But they were something that were in English culture quite late then, persisting up till the modern day. People still talk about Jack Frost. People still personify winter as being old man winter. But these entities, if we were to consider them to be gods, would they be gods? Ettons? Would they represent order? Would they represent chaos? You see, with these two, the binary would not fit amazingly well. You see, the problem is this. Chaos isn't everything that harms every individual human or even humanity. Chaos is the breakdown of the order of the universe. The breakdown, complete lack of it. Winter is necessary. Winter is orderly. Winter has a time and a place. It comes as regular as clockwork and leaves again in predictable cycles. You can count on winter coming after the fall and being followed by the spring. It doesn't just come and it doesn't just upend the seasons and it doesn't just never leave. It is orderly. It has its place. It has its time. It comes, it goes again. It rejuvenates the land. It kills off mosquitoes. Its frost and chill hours make possible the growth of apples and certain other fruits. It is not at all chaotic. Winter follows set rules and patterns. Winter is order. And yet, and yet, Winter is not particularly set in favor of humans. It is not gentle. It is not kind. Even on the best of years, it is something to be survived rather than something made purely for enjoyment. But is it evil? No. 
Is it chaotic? No. It is not chaotic. It is not evil. It is necessary and proper. It is good. Good for the world, at least. Though its goodness is hardly a comfort to those who are caught in its frozen fetters. But in the greatest overall sense, we as humans need the world as it is, and so it is good in the sense that it keeps the world in this balance. What would seem like a good thing for humans to stop these cycles and just have summer would seem for the moment to be good, but that would actually result in chaos and death unimaginable and the destruction of all. Let me walk you through winter's goodness with an example. Let me talk to you about apples. A bit of a strange segue there, but one that will shortly make sense. Apples are a fruit from the temperate region. Strangely, though, and somewhat counterintuitively, if you don't have winter, you don't have any apples the next year. The tree needs to have a period of dormancy. It, in effect, needs to go to sleep, and it needs to keep asleep for a certain amount of time. And this is not a sun-dependent dormancy, but a cold-dependent dormancy. So this sleep, this dormancy, must be chilly. Most apples require between 500 and 1,000 chill hours. And by this chill, that means temperatures below 45 degrees Fahrenheit or 7 degrees Celsius. If its requirements for cold are not met, it simply doesn't bloom in the spring, or it doesn't bloom in the correct time. And either of these things results in having no apples. In this way, winter is necessary for the apples, and indeed, the same goes for many other fruits. I would consider apples to be good. I like apples. I think that they're sweet and delicious. I enjoy going apple picking. Spring is needed for the apples to bloom. Summer is needed for the apples to grow into their fullness, for them to develop. Fall is needed for them to ripen and be good to pick. And one might think that winter isn't important then because it looks as though it harms the trees. But if it weren't for winter, there would be no apples. It can't grow them indefinitely. If winter never came, there would be no more apples. Winter is not just good for them, it is necessary for them. Humans suffer in the winter, sure. We have a hard go of it, but it is also necessary for so much that we also depend upon. This shows us that it's one of those things that is good for the world, good for the whole, but can certainly be harmful for the individual or can be harmful in certain circumstances. It's also something unyielding, though. It waits for no man. 
and it cannot be bought off or shooed away. It comes regardless. Are these winter beings, then, gods or Etons? These deities of gray areas, among others. This is honestly one of those moments where our vocabulary fails us. We do not have a good word for a god that cannot or will not form reciprocity with humans, but which is still effectively good and aligned with order. Etten is generally seen as bad, malevolent. Etten's, Jotun's, they being the same word from the same etymology, effectively. These entities are the anti-gods. They are the entities opposed to order, opposed to the order of the gods. But the forces like winter, or like the ocean, would not be malevolent forces. But are they gods? I usually, and have in the past, reserved this term for entities that we develop reciprocity with. But that would not be the general situation here. But that lack of reciprocity, despite it being there, I would opt to use the word God because it is closer to their nature as being beings of order, certainly closer to their alignment with the gods, for they are not aligned with chaos. These, then, are gods. They are for order, after all. Order on the earth and in the universe, order that maintains us and sustains us. But they represent this gray area, entities that are not for humanity necessarily on the individual scale because their agenda is often seemingly harmful for us on the individual level. But it also allows for our continued existence. So there is that element of them that benefits us through allowing our continued existence. They are against chaos because they uphold order. They are gods. But if they are gods, as I argue that they are, are they worshipable? Can we worship them? Should we worship them? Well, that entirely depends on your intention. You can basically forget forming reciprocity with these entities. They simply aren't that kind of god. And these entities, they can't really be bought off in any meaningful way, so propitiation is probably out too. There isn't really any indication that you can really ask anything of them at all. Isn't that all the kinds of worship that there are? There is offering with the intent of entering into the gifting cycle and building reciprocity. That's one kind. And then there's propitiation, or offering to stave off the ill effects of something. That's it, right? Not entirely, though. The offering that I propose that you would give these particular entities that are gods are orderly, but who are not necessarily interested 
or that they're not willing or they're not able to form reciprocity with humanity. We offer to these gods in the true meaning of worship. Worship being a Germanic word coming from an old English rooted in the idea of acknowledging that divinity is worth offering to, worth being the key here. Essentially, these forces of winter, the ocean, they are not going to change themselves for you. You cannot stave them off, you cannot sway them, but you can acknowledge that they fill you with awe. They are awesome. They are vast and great and worthy compared to humanity. Further, they are necessary and uphold order, so they are worthy in that regard as well. Enjoy your apples. You have winter to thank for them. Enjoy the life on earth, because without the oceans, what chance for rain would there be? These entities, these gods, fulfill a vital and orderly position in the realm of the universe, and we can absolutely acknowledge their worth and our awe, and often our joy, but also our sorrows and our losses, and still expect nothing from them besides that they continue to maintain their order. For these forces, they are not necessarily gentle. They are harsh. It is their nature. We can be in awe in them. We can see them. We can appreciate them. We can worship them, but it is not the same. The point of all of this is perhaps for us to think deep thoughts about the nature of divinity and to perhaps give a thought to an aspect of divinity that other people may have overlooked or not even have considered before. Now, I personally don't believe I've solved any issues here, but instead perhaps I have added a layer of nuance to your consideration. And if I've managed to do that, then I'll count it as a success. I hope that you found worth in this discussion. And if you have, I would like for you to think about clicking that like button or subscribe, because although I'm not incredibly punctual or particularly frequent with my videos, I do make them. So like, subscribe, and perhaps if you've found value in this discussion, your friends might too. Share it with a friend. I would like to give credit where credit is due. First and foremost to my now 23 amazing patrons. I really can't begin to thank you enough. These 23 individuals have sought me out on Patreon and have decided to become patrons for me to support the work that I do here on this 
podcast and also on my blog. Thank you so much. Thank you to all of you. And thank you to all of those who listen. Because when you like and subscribe and share, you are also supporting, furthering these ideas. Thank you. My intro music is Call of Valhalla by Anton Shiloh, with a little bit of my horn blowing added in as well. Once again, if you found value in this, like, subscribe, share, do whatever it is that people on YouTube and podcasting do. And I hope that you tune in another time.